So good to see you and welcome to church. Uh, North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. You're supposed to say it with me. No, I'm just kidding. Let's do it again. North Star's place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. And we, we believe that. We exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus here and um, not pop ideology or pop psychology. We preach Jesus. Amen. And uh, we're glad that you're here today. We welcome those that are joining us online. And um, we just went live at our Tupelo campus. Make some noise for those guys over there. Uh, guess what? Uh, I'm a granddaddy again. Yeah. Yep. Dansby Oaks Ledbetter. Proud of him. Proud to keep adding to our quiver. And uh, I know uh, Andrew and Blaine are, are super excited. Andrew's the campus pastor at Tupelo Campus. So you guys uh, over at Tupelo Campus, you got your new baby over there. And so we're excited about that. I want to talk about a couple of things before I get into the message. Uh, one, it, it happened in 1897. Are you ready for this? Okay, 1897, a man had a, a passion and a calling of, of God to start an orphanage in the state of Mississippi. He had been praying about it. He had mentioned it to a few people, and he received a letter from a woman who said, here, understand this is 1897. She said, here is a dollar, and put this toward your vision of building an orphanage. And if God brings this to fruition, there will be many more dollars and many lives changed. And that was the founding of the Baptist, uh, Mississippi Baptist Orphanage. Later changed its name to the Baptist Children's Village. They, at one time, only had orphans there. It was an orphanage. But now, over the years, that's, they still have orphans, uh, but they also have children from other situations where um, intervention was necessary and they needed a place to live. It is fully funded by the Mississippi Baptist Convention, of which we are a part of. It takes no government subsidies. The, the care for the child is free to the family, and you, as a, as a part of North Star Church, you are a part of that. Amen? I'm pumped about it. Come on. Um, so, there are seven locations, one in uh, Independence, uh, one in Water Valley, one in Brookhaven, one down south, further down south, and there are seven locations. The reason I'm telling you this is because it is a great mission and ministry opportunity to go help those guys out. I've been to the, uh, several different campuses of the Children's Village and, and, and have done work and taken work trips, and it's fun. And uh, uh, members of my family were house parents. Uh, in fact, um, more than just 
uh, several members of my family were house parents at different times. And one of our pastors, Jeff, uh, has worked with and for the Baptist Children's Village, which is now called. The reason I'm telling, the reason I'm telling you all of this is to tell you that this coming Saturday, we're leaving at 8 o'clock. We need as many mowers, zero-turn mowers, and John Deere mowers, Cub Cadet mowers, have more, will travel. I'm telling you. I'm going. Uh, I don't have a trailer. Uh, uh, and I, I, my, I could take my mower. I don't, I don't have a trailer. But I, what I don't want to happen is to, when we meet at the Tupelo campus this coming Saturday to have Scarlet's um, donut, donuts and coffee before leaving at 8 o'clock, and I look around, there's like two people there. I'm, I'm going to be, I got your number. I'm telling you now, it's going to be a quick trip. Independence is about an hour to hour and a half away. We're going to, I heard that if you had big mowers uh, and several of them, that it only takes a little while, a couple hours to mow. The, the director of the children's village there, his name is Bill Take. Our missions team our, uh, asked him, how can we help? He said, well, I'm having surgery, and we found out that he had some complications from his surgery. And uh, he said, I need some folks that can come take care of the, the mowing uh, on several different occasions. So we took this date, May the 6th, leaving at 8 o'clock. Come on, men and women, let's load up and go, and let's, let's be a, ble a blessing to, to Bill, and let's be a blessing to the children at the Baptist Children's uh, Village. Can I get an amen? I'm going to keep talking on it until I feel like you got it. We need to go, all right? So this coming Saturday, uh, maybe have to readjust your schedule. Maybe you can go for a little while and have to leave. That may be my case. But uh, I'm going to take weed eaters, uh, blowers, and mowers, and we're going to go get the job done and bless some kids. Amen? Amen. All right. One other thing, Mother's Day, May the 14th, Mother's Day. Listen, I can't tell you what's going to be happening on this stage on that day because it was fall the surprise, but I'm telling you, I'm looking in your eyes. You don't want to miss Mother's Day. So, well, I know it's Mother's Day and we travel and bring them here, all right? Bring them. Look, I'm not being insensitive. Bring your mother here. All right, and less, there are going to be some photo ops available, some other things that I can't tell you about. It would spoil it, but it's going to be a super, super great day, and you don't want to miss Mother's Day. Can you tell I'm excited about that? Okay, you don't want to miss Mother's Day. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. Can you tell I'm excited about it? Okay, good, because I'm going to keep going. It's just a psychological thing. You know, preachers think, well, they're not getting it. So I'm going to have to talk longer, spit more, and talk louder. But if I, if I know you're getting it, uh, we, can, we can get out of here and, and uh, have lunch together. Uh, amen? All right. We're in a series called Awakening 2017. Awakening 2017. And I believe this, and I really believe this with all of my heart. I believe that during this season... Not just the series, but this season in the life of our church, I believe that God wants to do some incredible things. Today I'm going to be talking on the subject of I got more 
that I came for. Can, have you ever said that spiritually in life? Whoo, I got more than I came for. I, I got more I never imagined. Well, I want to talk about that. Uh, I got more than, than I came for. I just wondered as I was preparing this message, how many folks are, that are listening to me, uh, how many, uh, both campuses participate just a little bit, how many grew up in church? Grew up in church, okay? About half or less. I grew up in church and it was in the church. I was in church before I was born. You know what I'm saying? And so it was in the church in my hometown that I developed an insatiable desire for the Word of God. I desire the Word of God. The psalmist said, as the, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for you. And so I developed that passion for the Bible. And it was taught to me at an early age. And then I, my parents were faithful in bringing me to church. And then uh, there was a drug issue later in my t uh, upbringing. Uh, they drugged me to church, all right? They never gave me... Okay, some of you get it after this afternoon. <laughs> uh, they never gave me an option. Parents, look at me. This is not a message for parenthood, but it is for just like 30 seconds. Look at me, parents. Don't ever give your kids the choice of going to church. That is so wimpy and weak. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Because you need to bring your kids up in church because it was that church that I got into the Word. It was that church that I got into the Bible. The this is what I know, and that is this. The Word of God is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. It's the hinge in which my faith has its mobility. I need the Bible. I need this book, this book. Some think, well, this book is antiquated, and it's not pertinent and applicable to my life. <laughs> Listen. This book uh, may have been written in antiquity, but it speaks to my life and speaks into my life with specificity. Did you get that? God's, when I get into the Word and read the Bible, the Bible is the only book that can read me. <laughs> and so when I read it, it reads me. And it speaks to me, and God uses the book to speak to me. And so it's so important that we be people of the book. We're going to preach the book here at, at North Star Church. Now, part of my favorite books in the Bible, there's a bunch of them, but some of my favorite books of the Bible are the Gospels. The Gospels. Now, the Gospels, I took a class called the Harmony, or I have a book called the Harmony of the Gospels, and I, I did take that class in, in graduate school. And it shows how the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they don't all say the same thing. They don't all have the same exact stories. It's like four film directors filming the same film, but with his own through his own eyes. And so God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, God spoke to these writers and he included in the Bible, the book, exactly what he wanted to put in there. But they're different. For example, Matthew. Matthew is, uh, um, 
when you read the book of Matthew, it's like watching a documentary. It's all good. I'm not criticizing him, but I'm telling you, they, they wrote with different styles. It's like watching a documentary. I mean, Matthew tells us how over 300 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled over a 1,500-year uh, time span. And he shows us that in the book of Matthew. Uh, Luke, Luke was a medical doctor. And when, when Luke would write, uh, he, often you could tell it was from a medical background. You could, you could sense his medical background coming through. And, and Luke talked a lot about the miracles of Jesus. You can read this sometime as you're reading the Bible through. And then John, bless his heart, John, man, he's great. But John was more articulate, and he, he was talking, a lot of times he was talking about love. He talked about the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee. He, he wrote about, you, for God so loved the world. He was very articulate, and he wrote in John chapter 1, verse 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. And, and he, so he's very articulate. Who's that leave left? Uh, Mark. We're going to talk about, we're going to read from the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you could be turning to chapter 2. Mark was different than Matthew. He was different than John. He was different than Luke. Mark skipped the birth. I mean, he's literally, he skipped Christmas. And went straight to full-blown Jesus. I'm talking Old Spice. I'm, you know, full-blown. Before Russell Crowe was ever in Gladiator. Before Mel Gibson was ever in Braveheart. Before Denzel Washington, for crying out loud. There was King Jesus. And when he spoke, everything had to come underneath his authority. That's Jesus. And that's who Mark wrote about. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So he had been out preaching and teaching, and now he was back home. And the Bible says they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him, a paralyzed, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him, could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat this man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He bl he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Immediately, Jesus knew, listen to this. You know, Jesus is God. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and 100% man. He came to the earth, God wrapped in human flesh. And so... Jesus immediately knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking. They were just thinking this, and Jesus knew it. You can't escape. You can't go into the darkness 
in life, in the darkness of your mind, and think that God is not watching and that God doesn't know what's going on. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone that they, that they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. And so here, that's the story. And as, as Jesus is, is, is uh, speaking the word to them, he had been, he had been traveling. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier that how the word of God is so important in my walk and so important in my faith. And it's because he was God. He is God. Mark tells us, this is what I know, Mark tells us that he was not just a good man. He was God-man. He wasn't just a good man. That historians say, yeah, Jesus, he, he, he was really on the earth. He was a good man. And skeptics will say there's no proof that he's God. No, I'm telling you, Jesus, whom we worship at this church, was not just a good man. He was a good man, but he wasn't just a good man. He, Jesus, is God. He was a God-man. And so as Jesus uh, had been teaching, he'd been walking, he was tired, he had been preaching the gospel, he had been preaching the truth, you know, walking everywhere he went, building up his frequent walker miles. That's okay. Thank you. I thought that was good. It, some of you will get it later, and some of you will feel ashamed that you didn't say amen. Okay, he was walking everywhere he went, building up his frequent walker miles, and he was tired because he was God. He was tired because he was fully human. Even though he's fully God, he's fully human, and he was tired. But here's the thing. Every time, it's just something about it. Every time that Jesus would come into a place, the word would get out. Now, scholars believe that this was Peter's house. You know Peter in the Bible and uh, one of the disciples. And the Bible says that Jesus rested there. People was getting on Twitter and Instagram, Jesus is here, Jesus is back, let's go, let's go, let's go. He's at Peter's house. And so the, everybody started going. This is what I know, and number one today is this. There is incredible power, incredible power in the presence of Jesus. There's incredible power in the presence of Jesus. Jesus came to this place, and obviously he had been to Capernaum before. Jesus had worked incredible miracles before, and he was, the, the word had gotten out that he was back, and, and there's something about the presence of Jesus. How did they know? Or why did they go there? Why were they so uh, passionate 
about getting to this house where Jesus was. Because they, they wanted a touch from God. They wanted, they wanted uh, God to, to move in their life. Why are you here today? I mean, seriously. What motivated you to put on your nice jeans, your Mary Kay, get in a car on a stormy day, and come to the house of God? It should not be out of obligation. Yeah, I mean, we love the worship time, but it's not just so you could hear good worship music. It's not just so you could hear a great sermon. I mean, super great. Amen? But that's not it. You came here because you wanted to enter into the corporate, that means all of us together, gathering into the awesome, miraculous, life-changing presence of God. I believe this. I believe that people distinctively know that if you get into the presence of God, if they know that if you can get his presence, you know, he, he walked into Peter's house and he sat down and his presence was in the room. His presence was in the house. People distinctively know that if you can get the presence of God to rest in a place, something supernatural, something life-changing, something miraculous will happen. I can't conjure up the momentum I can't conjure up the passion in your life. But listen, you know if the momentum has gone. You know if the, the flame has waned. You know if you need a rekindling in your spirit. You know if you need revival. People distinctively know that if you can get the presence of God to rest in a place, that the supernatural, the life-changing, and the miraculous will happen. It says in, in verse 2 that they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and that Jesus preached to them. The greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus. Jesus preached to them. We preaching about Jesus. Jesus preached them. You know why I'm so passionate uh, 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 about preaching? Because I'm on earth. I'm passionate. I'm ex ex filled with exuberance when I, when I stand to preach. Because when we get to heaven, ain't nobody going to want to be listening to me. They're going to want to be hearing from him. So I, I got to do it while I'm here, right? I got to do it while, I, while I'm on earth and and preach, uh, preach the word, the infallible word, the inerrant word, the eternal word. The psalmist said, forever, O God, thy word is settled in heaven. The immutable, unchanging, eternal word is the word of God. And the, all these people had gathered it was crazy. Um, I, I, just to use my imagination, I'm thinking um, they're all packed in there. And, you know, they're sick. They're sick folks. They need, I mean, healthy folks probably didn't want to hear Jesus. It's the sick folks that wanted to hear him. 
You know, the ailments and diseases and problems and issues, they're all packed up in there. And I, I could just hear, you know, some of the, some of the ladies saying, mm-hmm, listen, oh, 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 if I can just touch it. You know, I heard about that woman that touched the hem of his garment, and she was made here. If, if I could just touch him, it's on, girl. <laughs> I mean, hey, to her son who's on the iPad, at church. Really, it wasn't church. It was Peter's house, but Jesus was there, and he was preaching. It was church. She looks down at him, and she thinks, well, that's disrespectful. Get off that. Get off that iPad and listen. That's your problem. That's why you have trouble in school. That's why you have trouble because you ain't listening. No, you, Jesus is about to talk. You're going to listen. I know that's my imagination, but that's just part of it, Okay. They were there. They were there. They were waiting to see what Jesus did when they should have been waiting to see what Jesus had to say. They were wanting to see Jesus do what they knew Jesus had done before, and that's work miracles, but they needed to hear what Jesus had to say. And the Bible says that he preached to them. Verse 3 says, uh, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. They lowered, they lowered him down. I'm thinking, they didn't know. But if there's anybody's house that you didn't want to be digging a hole in the top of the roof, it was Peter. Peter was high strong, man. Some of you are high strong. Peter, he was cussing Peter. Peter, Peter would cuss. Some of you would cuss. Jesus loves you, but you need to let Jesus change you, Amen. I know this isn't on cussing, but um, watch what you say. Words are important. Uh, it'd been all right if it was John's house, you know, poetic, articulate, filled with love, John. Oh, a hole in the ceiling. I can see the stars, how wonderful and beautiful and loving. But it wasn't. It was Peter. And they, they lowered this guy down. And I, I noticed something else interesting in this passage. It, it called him... The paralyzed man. Hmm. Did you know most of the miracles in the Bible never mention the person's name? The woman with the issue of blood. The woman at the well. The blind man. The man with a withered hand. The deaf man. The demon-possessed boy. And hardly ever did, does the Bible refer to it. And I thought like on the reverse of that, that's kind of what we do in society. We refer to people by their condition rather than by their name. Oh, yeah, that guy, he's, the, he's an alcoholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're on their fourth marriage. And we refer to people by their condition. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but when you're... When you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. 
Your life, your old is gone, your life. Don't let somebody label you because one mistake you made 10 years ago. I knew somebody needed to hear that, so I thought I'd throw it out and test the waters. But uh, I feel like preaching today. Uh, the pro- there's power. I hope you wrote that first one down. There's power in the presence of Jesus. But you've got to understand this. You may be in the presence of Jesus, like today. You're at church. This is, it's good that you're at church and we come into the presence of God, but you may be in the presence of Jesus, but with paralysis. You may be in the presence of Jesus, but still there is a paralysis going on in your life. What do I mean by that? Anything that's keeping you from rising up in the fullness that God has for you is, par- is keeping you paralyzed, bound spiritually. And the last thing God wants for you is to be bound spiritually. He wants you to live in fullness. But there may be something, I don't know, I could list a few, but better so you list what is keeping you down and what's keeping you paralyzed spiritually from becoming everything that God wants you to be. This is what I know. I know that God has a way of putting us in the right place at the right time to hear what we need to hear so that we can get up and walk in the fullness that he has for our lives. I've often said it's not by happenstance that you're here. It's not. You could have been Look, you could have been at the mall. I think that would be like, what's the word? Like the craziest thing. Why would anyone, I don't, you know, I don't go to the mall unless it's an emergency. And because it's an emergency, when I go, I usually park in the fire zone. Okay, I'm confessing. It's, you know, confession is good. The truth shall set you free. I don't go to the mall. But you could have been at, uh, you wouldn't have been playing golf today or fishing probably, but <coughs> uh, you could have been doing something else today. But you came into the presence of God. And God has a way of getting you to the right place at the right time to hear what you need to hear so you can get up. Say, get up, so you can get up and walk in the fullness. Verse 4 says, and so they were digging through the roof. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was laying on to the feet of Jesus. How many today need to come to the feet of Jesus. That area of your life, that place of disobedience, that slackness that you try to keep whitewashing and putting in the back of your mind. Oh, isn't it crazy how sometimes we know that what we're doing or not doing, sometimes it's what you're not doing. We know it's wrong. We have... We have this crazy thing, way of suppressing it and having spiritual amnesia. We think it'll, if we don't think about it, it'll finally leave. No, it won't because it's called the Holy Spirit. 
convicting and pointing and showing and correcting us. Which leads me to my last one, and that is God wants to reveal himself to you. God reveals himself. More often than not, Jesus is not recognized, he's revealed. Did you get that? More often than not, Jesus is not recognized. Ooh, oh yeah, that must be a work of God. No, that's God revealing that there is a work of God. And so, this guy needed a revelation. But what happens when what you're going through doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out? Let me say it this way. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation. The man wanted to walk, he, the man wanted to be healed, but he was still lying on a mat. For, for goodness sake, they had to lower him down. Oh, and by the way, thank God for these friends. Man, thank God for the, this guy's friends that had the guts, that had the courage to take him. And they were expecting something. It's like, hey, uh, you get his feet, I, I'll get his arms. And the, and the rest of you push <laughs> because we're going to get him to Jesus. They lowered him to the feet of Jesus. Sometimes our experience doesn't line up with our expectations, but God is going to give us a revelation. Let me give you another example real quick. Um, you remember the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Okay, Jesus is on the other side of town preaching, and uh, Lazarus gets sick. And so Mary's, oh, oh. Martha tries to comfort her down, uh, calm her down and comfort her. She, she, she sends Jesus a text, says, Lazarus is sick. Jesus is preaching on the other side of town, and his cell phone buzzes. And boy, he gives that Jesus Ledbetter look. I told you. I don't know what that is. Just scratch that part. He gives that look. I know what the Ledbetter look is, but I don't, that didn't really make a lot of sense. He looks over at his disciples and he says, I told you, cut your phone off. When I'm talking, it's not ours, it's yours. Oh, sorry. Lazarus is sick. Y'all excuse me one second. But it's not going to end in death. Sin, he keeps preaching. It takes him a while to get back. When he gets back, he dies. Lazarus dies. What they were experiencing wasn't lining up with their expectation. What was their expectation? That Jesus would get there and heal him. But they experienced, their experience was that Lazarus died, right? So what does God have to do? What did Jesus have to do? He had to give them a revelation. He came up into the town, and Lazarus was dead. He said, I know your experience is not lining up with your expectation. Hang tight. I'm fixing to show you something. 
hang on because I'm going to give you a revelation. This is what I know. Oftentimes in our lives, the things that we're experiencing, the storms that we're going through, the things that we're experiencing are just a setup for God to reveal himself to us. Got a bad doctor's report. He is the great physician. Somebody walked out on you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than, than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Your money is funny. And you can't, you know, you can't figure out how you're going to pay your bills and get out of debt. He is Jehovah Jireh. Are you listening to me? Oftentimes what we're going through is just... These experiences are just a setup for God to reveal himself to you. Our weakness is the stage where God displays his power. So, Jesus says, get up. What do you need to get up from? He could have told him, all right, uh, paralyzed man. He said, uh, we're going to do this thing, but it's going, to be, it's going to be a process. You understand that? I mean, this one time, cut a hole in Peter's roof. You're going to have to deal with him. Anyway, uh, it's going to take, it's a little more involved than that. Uh, we're going to send you through a get-up uh, seminar. It's going to last six weeks. You with me? Paralyzed man? He says, get up. Before that, he says, your sins are forgiven. And if that's all that Jesus had said... That's enough. That paralyzed man's, all right, guys, come on, let's go. You brought me in here, you're going to have to take me home. Thanks, Jesus. If that's, all, if that's all that happened, that's good enough. I mean, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is the only one that can make that declaration. <clears throat> but he, he, he did something else. He said, get up. What do you need to get up from? You need awakening? Get up. Need change? Get up. You need a fresh start? Get up. There's one other thing. He said, take your mat with you. That's all right, Jesus. Look, I've been on this thing all my life. I'll pick up another one at Walmart. You can have this one. Jesus said, get up. Take your mat. Why would Jesus say, take your mat? Because this paralyzed man that's now been healed starts feeling the, the blood flow into his toes and tingling on the bottom of his feet, working up to his knees. And he's able to get up and walk. Why take the mat with him? Because Jesus wanted to remind him of where he had come from. Don't you ever forget the mat. Don't you ever forget where you were. When you're tempted to go back into that lifestyle, when you're tempted to get off track again, don't you forget. Get up. Take the mat and go home. Isn't that a good word from the Lord?
Father, I just want to thank you for this story in the Gospel of Mark. Thank you for speaking to us today. If you realize for the first time that you have never given your heart to Jesus Christ, would you make that decision right now by putting your trust in him? You can say it's like this. Is, there's nothing mystical about or magical about praying or repeating a prayer, but you can put it in your own words, but, but call on the Lord and put your trust in him. You can say something like, God, I need you. I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the grave. I turn, I repent, I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. I put my trust in you and I follow you today. And I thank you. I don't know how many of you have prayed that prayer or that prayed that prayer today calling on the Lord. We had people last week that did, the week before that that did, and I believe there's some today that have given their hearts to Christ. And we want to know about it. We want to pray for you. Maybe as a Christ follower today, your prayer is, Lord, just help me to stay on track. Please, God, rekindle the flame. I'm going to ask that everyone at both of our campuses to please stand. And I just want to pray this prayer over you. Father, thank you for today. And um, I just thank you that we were able to come into your presence today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we wouldn't take these closing moments for granted, uh, but that, God, we would just tune in as we worship. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today and that we didn't have to wonder if your presence would be here. We know it. And thank you, oh God, for ministering to our hearts. God, take this moment and use it for your glory. Change our hearts in Jesus' name.